0: What up, what up, it's your boy Wiz Khalifa, man, and that's what's hot on the streets from Hot 97.
1: WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers. The hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers.
2: I am so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. We're focusing on an issue that came out of the Jordan Davis murder case. Is hip-hop thug music? Can It Get You Killed? I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, and use the hashtag HipHopVerdict. Tweet me, at Lisa Evers, at Street underscore Soldiers, hashtag HipHopVerdict, and let us know if you think hip-hop is thug music is it time for a gut check is it time for a reality check is it time for us to be okay what kind of images are we putting out there we're also taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797 that's 1-800-223-9797 now 17 year old jordan davis was shot and killed while he was sitting in a car with three of his friends listening to hip-hop A Florida man, Michael Dunn, who was white, pulled up next to the car of black teenagers and told him to, quote, turn down the thug music. He then fired 10 shots into the car, killing Jordan Davis. A bizarre jury verdict found Dunn guilty of attempted murder of davis's friends but not for murdering him we're going to have a lawyer explain how that happened later on in the show but right now we're focusing on the whole issue of music the music we listen to and we're taking a close look at what kind of messages we get from it and more importantly what kind of messages is it sending to people outside of the hip-hop community people who are not familiar with the hip-hop culture does it glorify a thug lifestyle does it uh, Perpetuate negative stereotypes, especially of young black men. That's what we're asking you at 1 800 223 9797. That's 1 800 223 9797. And of course, we're not saying that the music in any way was responsible for the death of Jordan Davis. We do not blame the victim. He was clearly a victim in this case. There was no justification, despite what Mr. Dunn said in court, that he was acting in self defense. There was no evidence to prove that whatsoever. There were no weapons found in. the car with jordan davis and the other teens so that's i just want to be very clear about that but what we are using this incident as this tragedy as a moment to really take a look at what we're putting out there if as some people say thoughts are things what you conceive what you believe that's what you're going to become then that's what we're we're taking a look at so is hip-hop thug music do you think hip-hop is continuing to perpetuate negative stereotypes, especially as the music genre goes worldwide and really penetrates into many more social stratas and all kinds of areas of our world that uh, a lot of people never imagined it would. We have uh, joining us with us right now is Ashan. He's 15 years old. He's an Interscope artist from Newark. Ashan, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mayo Campbell. He's a social commentator. He says hip-hop is evil and thug music. Mayo, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is the incomparable Shakespeare. If you were at Hot 97's Who's Next, Uh, you've seen him on the stage there. He's from Brooklyn, repping Van Devere, Flatbush, Mm -hmm. the whole area there. He dropped his album, By Any Dreams Necessary, in January and dedicated a track to Trayvon Martin. Shakespeare, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Professor Christopher Emden. He is now at Harvard with a hip hop archive. Yes, sir. An amazing oh, yes man rather, yeah. Bringing hip hop to Harvard, that's pretty deep.
3: It's a beautiful thing.
2: That's an amazing thing. We're going to hear about that too. But we've had Chris on before. He's been with us at Push for Peace in Harlem and also has been using hip hop to reach children and reach young people and educate them with science and getting through to them using the music and and believes that it can be used as a very very positive thing. Um, Shake, I want to start with you on this. Do you feel that artists bear a responsibility for what you guys talk about in your music? <clears throat> um,
4: I actually think that as an artist, you absolutely have to hold yourself accountable for what you say in your music because you do understand that you have influence. So, you know, um, by all means, I, I do think that artists have to be conscious of what they're saying because, you know what I'm saying, like they can impact lives. People are listening to them. People are watching them. People are emulating them. You no. Know, um... So, yeah, like, absolutely. I I do think that there is a certain level of accountability that has to be held to the artists.
2: All right. Let let me bring in also Dr. Boyce Watkins. He's a finance scholar, social commentator. His website is yourblackworld.net. And, Dr. Watkins, you have a lecture called Commercialized Hip Hop, the Gospel of Self-Destruction. You got upset when Rick Ross was talking about uh, Trayvon Martin. What's your take on this?
1: Uh, I, I think that hip hop is a diverse and beautiful art form that has been destroyed deliberately uh people saw when public enemy was talking about fight the power uh KRS-One was talking about you must learn uh black people were being empowered to do things that made us a threat to national security because we were being we were pushing ourselves <clears throat> to be educated and to be politically active well i believe that there were forces <laughs> at the top who said let's Take this weapon and let's turn the gun back on the very people who, are point, who might be pointing this gun at us. We don't want them educated on black history because if they get educated on black history, they're going to become angry. And angry <laughs> black people can be very scary, especially angry, intelligent black people who know what their rights are. So as a result, you've seen really the, the, the glorification of a specific dimension of hip-hop music that has come to kind of dom- dominate the genre on the, on the major airwaves, and this really isn't an accident. So I think that uh, overall, I think black people need to reoccupy hip-hop. We need to realize that we have an obligation to protect our children from all enemies, both foreign and domestic, and we have to be very honest with ourselves about the fact that many of these messages in the music are not going to be productive to uh, young black men, especially living productive lives.
2: Alright, 1-800-223-9797 one 223 9797 Hot 97 Street Soldiers We're talking basically about the state of hip-hop. Is hip-hop thug music? What kind of images are out there? There's a wider variety in hip-hop probably today than ever before but some people say those negative images of violence, of drugs, of antisocial behavior are the ones that predominate. What do you think about that, Professor Christopher? Edmund? So,
3: Boyce Watkins know that knows that he's one of my best friends ever and we 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 agree Maybe about 95% of the time And in the points he just made I I, 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 bet I completely agree with the notion Of the glorification of certain aspects of hip-hop You know, my critique is oftentimes this If we chose to use the same kind of fervor and energy That we use to critique negative hip-hop That's being perpetuated by commercial forces If we use that same type of energy To showcase the kind of work that Shakespeare is talking about In the song that he dedicated to Trayvon Martin Then we'll be able to have some sort of balance You know, my, my whole issue is oftentimes this When we get into these spaces and we critique Hip hop. We talk about the negativity in hip hop. We talk about the negativity in commercial hip hop. We don't, at the same time, talk about the necessity for us to showcase and validate the aspects of the culture that are inherently positive. And I make the argument that there are just as many negative hip hop artists as there are positive artists. We make the conscious decision to one, critique the negative folks at the expense of showcasing the positive folks, and two, it's a whole lot easier to critique than it is to love and develop and, and showcase new possibilities. And, you know, the, the bottom line is simply this. Is our aspects of hip-hop negative? Of course, because aspects of life are negative. Are aspects of hip-hop positive? Of course aspects of hip-hop are positive because aspects of our life are, is positive. If we choose to showcase the aspects of our culture and our lives and our experiences that that showcase the beauty of who we are, with the same fervor as we use to critique artists, we'll be in a much more better place. Because at the very least, we'll have a, a wide array of the spectrum of the complexities of hip-hopness.
2: All right. Hit, uh, hashtag hip-hop verdict at Lisa Evers at Street mm. Underscore Soldiers. You can see pictures from inside the studio um, on Instagram, Lisa Evers live a you're 15 years old you're yes, an artist with a big label interscope yes. congratulations on that thank
5: you thank you i'm happy to be here thank we, you.
2: we appreciate that your single is called under yes now yes. you but you came up you grew up in newark you knew sure. some of the the teens that were killed during those christmas day those holiday week shootings in newark what do you think as you as you look around
5: as i look around my community
2: yeah uh does the music the music that people listen to does do you see a connection between the music and what's going on in the community
5: well, of course, yeah, there's a big connection between what's going on in the music and um, reality. Um, you know, there's two different types of hip-hop. You you can have positive hip-hop, negative hip-hop. Most hip-hop is, I want to say, negative. Because, you know, you got young kids in my community listen to that type of music. They want to be about that life, so-called. And, you know, they just walk around acting dumb, I mean, to be honest to me. But... You know, you do have that, I want to say, like, 43% positive
2: hip-hop that people really likes. And what are you trying to do with your music? Well, me, uh... And what do you get out of it? Because that's your, they're pretty young to be at this stage.
5: Yeah. Thank you. um... Well, my music is very serious, like, <clears throat> my song Under. It's not, it's like, it's like how I grew up. But it's not how I grew up. It's not just about my life per se. It's about millions of other people in the world across the country, every country in America that has a life just like mine or worse. Like, and one of my lines says, in the song it says, don't let my mom mourn me. That's like, that's very serious.
2: It is. To be, to yeah. be in your early teens and worried about that you might not make it to 21.
5: Yeah. And I'm just trying to get Get my mom in a safe environment. So.
2: And that's great. Mm. That's really great. And we appreciate you being here today because I know you're on a tight schedule with the promotions and everything. My, <laughs> Myo Campbell, you really don't see much use to hip-hop.
0: I don't see a lot of no use to hip-hop right now.
2: And you say it's almost like brainwashing.
0: It is brainwashed, you know. it's a, um What it is, is you think, about a, you think about a song, you listen to a commercial or something, and they put a jingle behind it. And the jingle is, oh, you know, I, I want to get this hot dog today and you go out and you're like oh i want a hot dog now times that by three minutes take that from 30 seconds to times that by three minutes what are you putting in your head when you're listening to out there i'm gonna sell this much drugs i'm gonna go out in in the streets and i'm gonna uh you know I- i'm gonna kill this person i'm gonna kill that person and you might just be a rapper just talking about it on songs but there's young fatherless children out here that are that are being fathered by the music, yeah. and it's it's the pied piper that's leading them to their graveyard, that's leading them to prison, and yeah. and you know I understand that there are perceived positive um, aspects of hip hop, but I think those are heavily overshadowed and heavily overweighed by the negative aspect, and I think you know the the idea of using um, positive hip hop to um, Change kids in an attractive community is like giving uh, an alcoholic more alcohol to get them off of alcoholism
2: Dr. Boyce Watkins, what about that in terms of you know pe- people who are in a more adv- you know, more um, affluent situation may have other outlets they have more they may be exposed to more but for for those, for those children especially that have the least in our society that are ma- the most marginalized, does the music have an even greater impact?
1: Uh, I, I think absolutely. Um, you know, art imitates life but life imitates art. So, for example, when you go back to the early nineteen uh nineties or late nineteen eighties when NWA came out with gangster rap kind of pushing, you know, the crib blood culture, uh, you know, just the experiences that they were seeing in South Central LA at the time. You can't blame the kids for rapping about what they were seeing. I mean, you know, South Central L.A. had been turned into a war zone, largely due to the fact that the government had allowed crack cocaine to really inundate the neighborhood. So you had 13-year-old kids running around with AK-47s. So that's what they rapped about. But what then happened is the music spreads like wildfire, so this culture is being promoted throughout the nation. Uh, Anybody who understands the basics of marketing understands that you know that that these messages do sink into the subconscious of impressionable young kids. You know, uh, Reebok was not going to pay Rick Ross three or four million dollars a year to wear their sneakers because they think he's an Olympic athlete. You know, we know that he's not. They had him. They paid him the money to wear the sneakers because they know that he's an urban influencer, which means that what he does. Other people do that especially people in urban settings, so if they 're emulating what he wears on his feet and they 're paying the millions of dollars to do that, then what makes us think that they 're not also emulating and being affected by what he 's saying in his music and I agree one hundred percent with what Dr. Enden said about promoting the positive hip hop artist everywhere I go, I, I mentioned the work that, that, that I've been trying to do with, guy, with guys like Killer Mike and Rhyme Fest and Immortal Technique and just X and all these amazing artists that should be on the radio every single day. But guess what? We have to also understand the power of commercialization and the fact that Clear Channel, who buys up all the radio stations across the country, they tend to only play specific kinds of artists. And again, I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that the government or anybody wants a million or ten million black Kids listening to Immortal Technique because he will make you smart, empowered, and angry, and that's just not something that people want for young black men.
2: Doctor Christopher Ander, so, what so do you think I, about
1: that? I
3: wholeheartedly agree, part with with the, the uh-huh. core tenets of the statements that were made by the last two gentlemen. So I, I definitely agree that aspects of hip hop do have a, a sort of you know catchy, phrasy tune that can be embedded into some conscience and allow people to emulate what they're listening to in the music. I also agree that uh, there are corporate entities who are invested in the perpetuation of negative myths about blackness through hip hop culture the one thing that I, I, I want to bring to the table is if we take those stances and we agree with them and then we say, you know what, this is true, this is a negative thing about hip-hop. Why is our response then to be, you know what, that means that hip-hop is inherently negative and I don't want anything to do with hip-hop. If intelligent and brilliant people within the hip-hop community, from the hip-hop generation, respond to what commercial entities have done with hip-hop by saying, I wash my hands of it, what you're then saying is that I am giving it to them and allowing them to continue their message. So what we have to be able to do is not just wash our hands of the culture and say, it's a negative, don't listen, because kids will be listening anyway. We have to be able to use the intelligence within our communities to actually look at how we can take the negative aspects of hip-hop, the negative messages in the culture, and stand up as a community to use them as teaching tools so kids can be able to deconstruct the values and the messages within them. Right, if you have a young person who says, you know what, Rick Ross, I'm listening to it, and that song is bu- is crazy, and, and the hook is, is really sort of And the beats are And, are, are, and the, the beats
2: are great. The beats are amazing. That's
3: fine. But if you have somebody within that community that's saying, "Yeah, that beat is bumping" because it's part of your cultural consciousness as a person of color to move to that beat. But let's deconstruct those lyrics and make a com- have a conversation about whether or not that really speaks to your life or not. Then they can they can make a difference between what they're listening to for pleasure and what they're listening to to, to deconstruct it and the, the sense making they're making of it, and also to present a counter narrative to what they're listening to.
2: All right, what, what about that, Shay? I mean, look.
4: I am passionate about hip hop and I think that it's unfair that hip hop is always a scapegoat, you know what I'm saying? Because <clears> one, you know, it's like hip hop is always held to a different standard than entertainment. It's fine if we look at uh Leonardo DiCaprio, if we look at, you know, Al Pacino and they can play mob bosses and they can play these different characters and no matter what and they And superheroes and they, and, and and they, and kill superheroes, and they can kill millions of people. They can kill millions of people, but for some reason when it comes to hip hop, you know they're not held to the same standard we don't look at it as entertainment and we don't accept it as such and then the other thing is is like when people try to attack rappers like mainstream hip hop this is not the 90s where you have Onyx talking about throw your guns in the air you know what I'm saying this is the most diverse hip hop been in ages you've got at the forefront at the like Hot 97 is a platform. You look at the major artists, this is not thug music in any way, shape, or form. Okay,
2: but Shakespeare, but, but people, let, let's say some, some kids growing up in the pink houses in Brooklyn, they're not watching Al Pacino movies. They're not watching those. They're, they're, the music is something that's around them everywhere you go. You go in a store, it's there. You hear it on the streets. You hear it in the hallways. I Ooh. agree,
4: but what they're listening to is Drake, and they're listening to Kendrick Lamar, and they're listening to Kid Cudi, and they're listening to Wally, and they're doing songs about ambition, and they're doing songs about, you know, my mom or my aunt sacrifice, this much for me and this enables me to be better they're looking at Jay-Z and they're saying look at this guy that came from the projects made so much of himself that he's a mogul right now and now they know what a chief executive officer is so how can you say hip-hop is inherently bad because all around you even on a mainstream platform there's nothing but positive
2: all right (laughs) 1-800-223-9797 we're taking your telephone calls hashtag hip-hop verdict on twitter at lisa evers at street underscore soldiers and let's take some phone calls let's go to rick from new jersey right now rick how you you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I just wanted to mention that, um, that, first of all, rock and roll, to me, I think is more um, more negative than rap will ever be. I mean, they speak of the devil and and doing all this crazy stuff with blood and stuff like that. And, um, you know, when, when these kids go out and shoot up a school, they don't say, oh, blame it on rock and roll. But when a kid does something in the ghetto or whatever, they say, oh, it's rap. You know? And right away, like, for example, a white guy kills a black kid they want to blame rap they don't want to blame the rap the black. they not want to blame the white guy they want to blame rap for it you get me yeah and it's like how are you gonna first of all the reason that the black people are in the ghetto is because all these white people didn't let them own homes for all the work that they've done during slavery so now these people have to be homeless now
2: all right rick that, that i, w- I want to move on but thank you for raising those points let's go to joe from bayonne new jersey joe hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead and yeah, all, I all my guests just feel and jump in
6: hip-hop goes in general Um, I just think that we all step back and listen to all of the lessons and all of the things that people have been telling us in the past, like, say, Martin Luther King. We just need a revolution, a radical revolution of values. Hip-hop should not be destroyed. There's a lot of great things within hip-hop. What we need to do is reform it and use it as a tool to help people instead of tearing them down.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the call. My you say it's a, a mentality. It takes, it influences. It takes over lives. The mentality where prison is a good place to be. There's markings, which you consider evil from a spiritual standpoint. Clothing. Yeah. Explain that. I
0: mean, I think hip, hip-hop, I, I understand what everybody's trying to say about highlight the positive, highlight the positives. But there's been positive uh, or so-called positive hip-hop since KRS and African Bambada. The kids, the, the the pop culture have proven that they don't want that because, you know, it's not just about Claire Channel pushing a genre. It's about people out there buying an album. It's about he's getting two million sales when, you know, uh, uh, it's being sold online. So it's not just who's pushing this, who's pushing that. It's people out there, they're voting for it with their dollars. They're voting for this music. Let, let me this say- music is a it's, it's more of a spiritual thing. I think it's a body. So you can't just say, oh, we're going to take the fingers of hip-hop and uh, ignore the arms of it. You know, this it's a whole thing. It's a spiritual body that's out there and, and, and is repetitive, repetitively uh, seducing your kids to come into a destructive culture. Even when they, even when they um, seem to be righteous, it's all in self-righteousness. So what takes a kid from now saying, okay, he's justifying himself this way on a positive song. Why can't I justify myself this way? You know, Public Enemy, you know, I, I used to love Public Enemy, but they were out there saying fight the power that's cool but then they were also out there you know in their own righteousness they were out there Um, Speaking of themselves Speaking of their way To do it You know And now another kid Comes along He says well They're doing it their way Why can't I do it my way It's not necessarily positive It may appear positive But it's not that
3: Two two basic things I think that I I want to use To retort to that statement And not wholeheartedly Disagreeing Again I think we we all Have these conversations Out of love So it's Mm -hmm. it's not a matter Of uh, creating enemies But the first thing is this If we we make an argument About the sales Of aspects of hip hop That are inherently negative And utilize that As an argument For the fact that The community at large just thirsting for this negative hip-hop. That is such a flawed construct, essentially because most hip-hop music that perpetuates negative images about black and brownness are purchased by folks who are outside of our community. So the sales of hip-hop that are inherently negative are actually, at the core of it, a reflection of the insatiable lust for the for the for the for the most negative aspects of our culture from folks who are outside of our communities. When you talk about high hip hop sales, about negative messages of hip hop, that is essentially showing us that white communities are looking for the base versions of who we are, and that's why they're consuming that at a high rate. That's but is one.
2: but is it also part of the American culture? Because you look at the biggest entertainment that we have, whether it's <clears throat> films, whether it's TV shows, it's all it's either around drugs, it's murders, it's killing, it's vi- there's violence in pretty much all of it.
3: But it's also It's it's violence and negativity and all of it, but there is also. And this is the important piece To this equation. There's also inherent based based racial bias in all of it.
2: So part of Americana like undercover racism. I,
3: yeah, part of Americana is not just it's not just glorification of violence and misogyny. Part of Americana is um, ensuring that the black male image looks like the most negative thing it can possibly be.
2: So you say they're taking the, they're taking what they think their most racist concept and most negative concept of black men and that's the one that's going to be the most popular. Of course po- they're going to elevate
3: what they, the, the, the 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 idea is to elevate our nations and again, it's really feeding a lust. There's a lust within white America for thug imagery. Certain artists sell simply because they invoke the the, the perceptions of those communities. Like, they don't want to see a positive black man talking about hip-hop and science and education. They want to see a black man who's in the hood, selling drugs, looking angrily, licking shots on a regular basis. And if that's the case, that's the aspect of the culture they're going to promote. This is why it's important for us to say we will not stand for that. We are going to showcase aspects of who we are that is more complex, more layered, more beautiful. Orgy Lord once said beautifully that the master's tools will never destroy the master's house. And what I take that to say is this. There is no tool that we can utilize to deconstruct white patriarchy and white racism in America other than our own tools. And the only tool that we have left in America right now is our music and our culture. Therefore, hip hop is the only tool that we can utilize to deconstruct the master's house, to deconstruct patriarchy, deconstruct racism, deconstruct oppression. And if we wipe our hands off it, we lose.
2: All 800 we We're going to get to Twitter in just a minute. I think we got a lot going on there. Shakespeare. And I
4: think the biggest problem is that too often we let people outside of the culture dictate what is happening in the culture because the problem with hip hop is that they're never going to appreciate and see the artistic merit in it because it, the origins are from the streets. So, in the same way that they'll never look at Jay-Z as one of the most brilliant writers of our time, but if you listen to Jay-Z, the multi-syllable flows, he's doing alliteration, all of these complicated literary devices. I'm talking about illusions and metaphors and similes and foreshadowing. We're never, oh, we're never going to respect what they do as writers, and that's across the board. I'm talking about everyone at the top of the food chain in hip-hop, whether that's Wale, J. Cole, they all understand these concepts conceptually. It's written all throughout their music. But again, we're not going to hold them to the same esteem as you, as you would at Edgar Allan Poe or whatever the case is because they do want to perpetuate these ideas that it's all thug. And it's not true because these guys don't come across as thugs through their music. Visually, they don't come across as thugs. And I just kind of feel like it's unfair. We're always holding hip-hop as it... Like, hip-hop's become this big scapegoat where it's the cause of all of America's problems. And it's like, how can one genre of music... How, you, how can you, like, compartmentalize one thing and then say, this is attributed... Or all, all of the wrongs are attributed to this one thing. It doesn't make sense.
2: All right, let's see what's happening on Twitter. At Lisa Evers, <clears throat> at Street underscore Soldiers, hashtag hip-hop verdict. Our associate producer, Angelique Tyree, busy over there on the laptop. What's going on, Angelique? Yes, the Twitter's blowing up with people having
5: conflicting arguments about this um, particular topic. We have one tweet from at Cockness Monster, who says, The music didn't kill Jordan Davis. Another main sphere and impotency did. Hip-hop is a scapegoat. Another tweet comes from at Gmail Fat Cat, who says... What music was Zimmerman listening to? Are the police at Fu- Fruitville Station? Are the people who drugged the boy? He was in pieces. And one last tweet comes from at KBD PhD, who says
2: hip hop is just an excuse to take the young man's life. We have to reject the loud music trial moniker. All eight hundred two let Let's go to uh, Greg from Queens right now. Greg, how are you on Hot 97? Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Good morning. What's your question or comment?
7: I have a comment. I just want to start off by saying I'm a huge hip-hop fan. You know, I'm an 80s baby, came up appreciating hip-hop. And hip-hop has really changed and changing even more so um, as of recent. Um I agree with what someone said. You know, a lot of people outside of our community are idolizing, you know, hip-hop and what it represents. But I also feel at the same time that there's a lot of pressure on the artists themselves and the stations, Clear Channel included, to kind of push the music and the messages. And the messages that are coming out today are crazy. I mean, not so much with the violence I have a problem with, um, but, you know, you have artists that are being glorified after they're, you know, assaulting, you know, other female artists and then have the gnarl to come out with tracks that say, don't judge me or it could get uglier, it could be beautiful. You know, it's hit records and then you have other artists, one of which you mentioned, who's comparing themselves to a god, you know, another who's comparing herself to when, you know, how they did Jesus on the cross. So for me, it's a real assault on our ideals, because if we don't have anything to believe in, at least we have what we were brought up on, and it's like the artists, I don't know if they're not as talented as they used to be, it's like, you know.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know if anyone, everyone's shaking their head in here. Greg, I, I got, I got to move on. I just want to get a quick little com- comment from Ashan on this. Do you feel people look at you as as a black male teenager with a negative stereotype when you're outside of Newark, when you're, or even inside Newark, like the older people? Yeah. Do you feel you're, you're stereotyped? Of course, at times. Of course, I feel like. How I'm do so you, How do you know that? Like, what does that well, feel like?
5: <clears throat> All right. For instance, the other day, I was walking, walking to the corner store. You know. So, <clears throat> I'm walking. So I I, t- I, I been down to tie my shoe. Oh, look at his pants. dog, uh, Oh, oh look at him. Oh my God. He looks. It was white people. I, I'm gonna be honest. It was white people. They walked by me. They didn't think I heard them, but I heard them. So, uh, I didn't say anything to him. So I just kept it moving. And uh, they actually, had came in the store, and it was, like, they asked me. They said, "Hey, um." Why are you dressed that way? So, I said, "What do you mean? Why am, why am I dressed this way?" He, he said, well, "Um, what? Well, what are you a thug?" And I said, "No, actually, I sing." He was like, "Oh, yeah, really?" And I just I couldn't talk to him anymore, so I just walked away.
2: And you felt they just looked at you, and you're there like yeah. in jeans and sneakers, and yeah, I was. You know, I'm, I'm a homebody. I stay in the house.
5: I don't. I don't. I don't come outside. But when I have to, you know, go get some groceries for my mom, I come outside and, and my sneakers, some sweatpants, and a coat. I mean, my pants probably not like you're wearing were,
2: a, sn- a ski mask and having yeah. It wasn't
5: like <laughs> I'm. It wasn't like I was wearing having a sawed-off under your jacket there. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I was you know <laughs> holding the gun in my jacket like yeah it wasn't it wasn't none of yeah,
2: that. It, i mean and, and people people can't see you but they can yeah. they can check you out they can check you out online they're sean a s h a and you look like you could be on glee like <laughs> one of those shows on glee that, that's how all american
3: you look to you me. know what's fascinating <laughs> well, about his story though know, is because is that you know the aesthetic that's being critiqued and that he's being connected to being a thug like that look will then two months, three months down the line become picked up by mainstream corporations as the new fashion look. And, you know, it's, it's critiqued when it's being presented by a young person like this and then all of a sudden when they see the inherent value in it, they can repurpose it.
2: We'll talk about that. We've got to take a short, short break. You're listening to Hot <laughs> 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your, I'm your host. That's messed up. I'm your host, Lisa <laughs> Evers. Uh, Twitter, at Lisa Evers, at Street Underscore Soldiers, hashtag Hip Hop Verdict. We're talking about hip-hop music. Is it thug music? Is it... A, is, What are we putting out there? I mean, look at a lot of the songs we're playing here. Most of them don't have anything to do with any of that, but those aren't the ones that people uh, gravitate to in some cases. Um, Hot 97's April Fool's Day. Let me tell you about that. Comedy show weekend coming up, hosted by Sean and Marlon Wayans. So you know that's going to be good. Tracy Morgan, Charlie Murphy, Coco Brown, Rob Stapleton, A.G. White, Tony Roberts, and Hot 97's one and only. Cypher Sounds. Friday, March 28th at the Theater Madison Square Garden. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. We'll be back right after this.
0: The biggest boss, Ricky Rose and this official. Me and Hot 97 have another concert exclusive lineup. Rick Ross album release concert. We from down south, but
4: we know what New York about. These haters can't hold me back. These haters can't hold me back. Hot 97 presents Rick Ross. Best Buy Theater, March 3rd. Hot 97 and Rose I'm gonna be doing some fly hip hop sh**. Huh. Composition will be Dead or
1: Motherfucker, the devil is alive Rick Ross, celebrating a new album Mastermind, in stores March 4. Buy your tickets now with Ticketmaster Made high by Def Jam
8: They say life is a compromise You want one thing, you give up another Compromise this, compromise that Why they even say, compromise lunch You can have good for you or you can have tasty. Pick one. At Boar's Head we say, are you kidding? What tastes good doesn't have to be bad. Take Boar's Head Cracked Peppermill Smoked Turkey. This exceptional hand-trimmed turkey breast is expertly seasoned with cracked peppercorns and paprika and then lightly smoked for a truly memorable flavor. And it's certified heart healthy by the American Heart Association. There are lots of compromises you have to make, but when it comes to what you eat, at Boar's Head we say, compromise
9: elsewhere. Geico presents fan mail to a pig. Dear Maxwell, first off, I really enjoy your commercials about
2: Geico's app. I watch them over and over and over. They make me both laugh and very hungry. Weird. Anyway, I just want to let you know how Geico's new claim status updates on the app really blow me away. Getting those updates makes me think of you. I'd like to thank you in person. Just send me your address. All the best. Big Bad W. Sure thing, Big Bad W. Uh, I got a pen. It's 802. Not going to happen, Lane. Claim status updates. Just a tap away on the Geico
8: app. Get in
5: the zone. AutoZone. Not all girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. Some of us are made of engine oil and transmission fluid. Plus parts and advice from AutoZone. Because I'm a woman who can bake you a pie and change your brake pads.
1: Now at AutoZone, get a five-quart jug of Castrol conventional motor oil and a Bosch oil filter for only $22.99. Get in the
9: zone. AutoZone. See store for restrictions and details.
5: I wanted to dance. Then I broke my leg.
9: I went for an easy layup and got knocked flat. Stupid curb.
3: I twisted my ankle and missed the trip.
4: We all like to think we're invincible, but we're not. So even if you think you'll never need a good, low-cost health insurance plan, it's just plain smart to get it. Find your plan through New York State's Health Plan Marketplace, New York State of Health. There are lots of plans to choose from, and financial assistance is available. So a good plan costs a lot less than you might think. It started as a sneeze and went from there. Things happen, even to young New Yorkers. So make a good, low-cost health plan happen for you. Go to nystateofhealth.ny.gov or call 1-855-355-5777. New York State of Health, the official health plan marketplace. Today's the day. If you're in the market for an affordable pre-owned car, Bronx Cars has what you need. We always have at least 30 quality cars and trucks under $10,000 on the lot. There's plenty to choose from. No worries, no regrets. With a limited lifetime powertrain warranty on any purchase. At Bronx Cars, you breathe, you drive. Zero down available. Come in and
0: see us at Bronx Cars, 4101 Boston Road in the Bronx. And check out our inventory at BronxCars.com. High 97's Morning Show, yours truly, DJ Camelo, Angie Martinez, and DJ Enough are headed to the Royal Thin Hotel. Grand Bahamas, and we want you to join us for the hottest beach party of the year. We're partying at a secret location on the Grand Bahamas Island, May 7th through the 11th. All food, drinks, and parties are included in our package. If you want to party with us, you must book our package. Call 1-800-790-4519 made hot by worldwide group travel and events.
9: Are you drowning in a pool of debt? Are you paying huge interest rates on a mortgage that you can't afford? Does foreclosure or forbearance look like your only way out? With elections, government shutdowns, and Obamacare, things are changing quickly. The Obama Making a Home Affordable program wants to throw you a lifeline. Time is running out to take advantage of the program. Call 1-877-293-7979 now to be informed of your rights and they can determine on the spot if you qualify for mortgage rates as low as 2 So you can cut your payment in half. The Obama Making a Home Affordable program offers incentives to your mortgage bank to work with us. Even if you've been turned down by your mortgage company, you owe more than your house is worth or have refinanced before. There are no closing costs, appraisals, or credit checks. Take advantage of this free service now because you never know when the rates will be going up. Call 1-877-293-7979 now to see if you qualify. Isn't one phone call worth your peace of mind? 1-877-293-7979.
5: You ain't ready for this. Tuesday, March 4th at 10 on BT. an all-new season of the
4: game, and let's stay together. BT, we got you. Visit BT.com for more.
0: Yo, what up? It's The Game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 9-7.
2: Thank you for that game. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the aftermath of the Jordan Davis case and also taking a close and hard look at hip-hop music. What does it say about us? Does it give people an excuse for racist attitudes to continue to perpetuate? 1-800-223-9797. Hit me up on Twitter at LisaEvers, hashtag hip-hop verdict. We have 15-year-old recording artist with Interscope from Newark, Ashan, with us in studio. His Instagram is Ashan a-s-h-a-n underscore
5: a-h-s-a-n underscore music
2: that's i'm looking right at it A-S-
5: A-H-S- A-H-S.
2: okay i'm sorry <laughs> i wrote it wrong i misspelled that i'm sorry a-h-s right. well somebody else is getting a lot of instagram okay <laughs> a-h <A-H-A-N>. a <A-H-S-A-N laughs> lot of comments on instagram a-h-s-h-a-n underscore music thank you for correcting me on that also with us <laughs> mayo campbell he says hip-hop is evil and uh, Thug Music, watch out, you're getting brainwashed. Also with us, the incomparable Shakespeare. He's a hip-hop artist from Brooklyn. Professor Christopher Emden, one of our top educators in the country, I call him. He's uh, now a fellow at Harvard, bringing, the hip, bringing hip-hop to Harvard. And also joining us on the phone is Kenneth Foote. He's a former prosecutor in the state of Florida. And also we're joined by Ron Davis, the father of Jordan Davis. And Mr. Davis, thank you so much for being with us this thank morning. So we much. appreciate it. My pleasure. Our, and, of course, our condolences and, and our thoughts and prayers go out to you and your family as you continue, you know, in this, in this period of grief to, to fight for justice and to, to fight for what got your son killed. We appreciate you being with us.
6: My pleasure to be with you today.
2: And, Mr. Davis, what do you want people to know about Jordan and about this experience, this ordeal your family's going through? Uh,
6: Jordan Davis is a 17-year-old, and 17-year-olds, they do a lot of silly things. And uh one thing about it is there's a lot of 17 year old silly juveniles out here in America and all over the world. And if we don't allow, as adults, we don't allow our kids to be kids and to do silly things and make sure that, you know, it doesn't bring their life to bear, you know, we as adults have to look at kids as kids and not as adults. And, you know, they do things that, you know, you may not like, and they may play their music loud or whatever the case may be. But that's not something that you are going to take your bias out on them and shoot at them and kill them just because, you know, something as silly as playing your music too loud. And there's so some of the other things that kids get shot for beyond playing your music too loud. It's basically your bias is what's going on. You know, whenever you have a bias against... Number one kids, number one, African American kids, you know, different biases uh, come into play, and that's what we want to fight against.
2: Do you feel that, do you feel that Michael Dunn looked at that he should have been charged with with murder as a hate crime?
6: I thought it was a hate crime uh, at, the, at the beginning. you know, before I put that tag on somebody, I always make sure I get all my facts straight. So at the beginning, if you saw some of my early interviews, i didn't want to say it's a hate crime i didn't want to say it was racist you know i was saying that this guy just, you know was very frustrated with the way his day was going and all of a sudden he took it out on these kids then later on we started receiving letters from prison that he didn't know was going to get out to the media then we received phone calls that he had made actions.
2: and you—you you and your wife conducted yourself with unbelievable composure going through. I can't even imagine what kind of an ordeal that was going through that that trial, and then also that I, I can only call it a bizarre verdict that the jury came down with. How do you how do you reconcile and make peace with that, or can you make peace with that?
6: Uh, I cannot make peace with that, is because that uh, one thing that we're fighting against is that you have a stand your ground instruction. And even though the defense attorney doesn't file for stand your ground, which if you don't file for something to me you should not be able to use uh, what it says in court if you don't file for it. But what happens is in this in instead of filing for stand your ground, they just file for uh you know, I just was there and it happened and and it's self defense. So in the self defense instruction to the jury there's wording that says stand your ground. So they get the benefit of stand your ground without filing for stand your ground. And in that instruction it always asked about the mindset of the shooter. You know, never mind, you know, defending the victim. It's always, well did you think that they had a gun? And did you think that you were in, in fear of your life? Well we have to take that into consideration that you thought, even though it was wrong, but you thought you were in fear of your life and that has to be changed because you can 't think that somebody has a weapon, and you can 't think that somebody is out to get you and then take action on it and then kill somebody based on your thought process
2: and you i have, i've heard you in previous interviews and you were and we really appreciate you being with us here on hot ninety seven in New York and streaming live around the country on hot ninety seven dot com The you said that the that Michael Dunn pulled up next to the car your son was in, and that he could have moved away, which you know that he could have just gone to another parking spot. He didn't have to stay there. It wasn't as if he was being forced to listen to what he called the thug music.
6: That's correct. I mean, as a matter of fact, testimony by an independent witness, a gentleman pulled up beside the car that my son was in before Michael Dunn did. He heard the hip hop music, the loud music. He decided to back up and actually pull into another parking space. That's what he did. That's what a reasonable person would do. And he decided to pull into another parking space. And he also testified that there were numerous parking spaces available. So when Michael Dunn came, he could have done the same thing. If, if he determined that that music was rap crap or thug music, then he could have pulled into another parking space. Uh, not only did he not do that, he parked right next to him, real close to the doors. So the kids couldn't even get out the doors on that side of the car. And then you roll down the window and contact the children. And then once they didn't do what you said, then you decide to roll down your window once again. So you made all the contact with these kids. These kids never initiated contact with him, never touched the hair on his head, never opened up their door and hit his car or anything like that. And one of the, the things about standing ground is use force with force. If you receive force, you can use deadly force. Well, where was the force that was used against Michael Dunn? There was never any force used against Michael Dunn, and that's why I have a real big problem with it, because nobody ever touched him, but yet he thought he could use lethal force.
2: And, and, and once again, I want to mention, which we did at the start of the show, no weapons in your son's car, nothing of that, you know, nothing any, anywhere remotely like that, and they never got out of the car. So it wasn't a case of where they got out of the car and surrounded Michael Dunn's car or made any kind of threatening gestures or anything of that nature.
6: That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And so, you know, here we have a case that these are good kids these are kids that were minding their own business in a in a very good neighborhood, uh lighted area and, you know, nice car, you know, good kids and this happens and you can get a conviction, you know, from at least, you know, two more of the jury, you know, because how many instances are you gonna have it where your your kids are with other kids and you're in a uh, area that they're supposed to be in, and it's a lit area, and you still get can't get a conviction for somebody murdering your child because most of the time it's a one-on-one situation, which makes it real hard to prove. In this situation, is not a one-on-one. You have numerous witnesses, and you still have a problem with, you know, trying to prove that the young man uh... did what he was supposed to do, and and the guy that killed my son. Is absolutely guilty.
2: Ron Davis, father of Jordan Davis, what would you like to? What would you like people who would like to support you and your family at this time? What would you like them to do, or what could they do? Our listeners, we have a
6: website. Uh, yes, Lisa, we have a website: uh, www.walkwithjordan.org. dot dot org. Okay. Walkwithjordan. dot org, and uh, on that website, you can donate to Jordan Davis Foundation. You should see him there. A picture of him with an Obey cap on, and if you, you know, all the money that you send is going to be absolutely used toward Jordan Davis Foundation to help the kids. Number number one, we want to travel, bring them to Washington to see how things go in Washington, so you can change the system. Because you can't act out, you know, in the streets and burn your own neighborhoods and do all those kind of things. You have to go to the law, and you have to be able to change the law. We're going to march on March tenth. We'll be in Tallahassee, the state capital of Florida, and we're going to be joining Trayvon Martin's family and Al and We're going to go down to the state capital, and we're going to try to change stand-your-ground law. We're going to have to rewrite that law. And that's what I want you to do to help us rewrite and your ground law.
2: All right, Mr. Ron Davis, father of Jordan Davis, I want to thank you so much for being with us here on Hot Ninety Seven and also I'd like to extend an invitation with the with the youth that you're working with, with walkwithjordan.org, which is your website. That uh, if you if you make it up to New York or want to come up to New York, we'd love to have, have you and, and, and some of the teens that that you're working with in Jordan's memory up here on the show with us on Hot Ninety Seven to talk about their experiences and, and just further the understanding if uh, we'd like to extend that invitation to you.
6: Well, thank you very much. As a matter of fact, I believe we're going to be in New York sometime in the latter part of April, and I'll be more than happy to be on your show.
2: All right, fantastic. Uh, Mr. Davis, I'm going to put you on hold, and our associate producer, Angelique Tyree, is going to talk with you and uh, get some more information. But I-, I thank you so, so much for being with us. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Lisa. Thanks and and, for and if, if I may, sir, when you come in April and with those young people, I'd like to also extend an invitation for you guys to come up and take a tour to Columbia University campus and look at some of our science labs. Um, and I just want to just thank you so much for your grace in dealing with this, because it teaches us all how in the midst of the most offensive and horrific thing to have grace. And um, I, I personally just want to thank you for all you've done.
6: Thank you. It would be my pleasure to tour Columbia. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Mr. Davis. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. That's uh, Ron Davis, father of Jordan Davis. We thank him for being with us. His, uh, the website is walkwithjordan.org. You can check it out. And let me bring in real quick um, Kenneth, Fo- uh, Kenneth Foote. He's a former prosecutor in the state of Florida. Kenneth, thanks for being with us and, and hanging on there. I appreciate it.
10: Good morning, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. and Thank you for the opportunity and good morning to your guests and uh, to our freedom, Mr. Davis
2: could I could I ask you uh, on four, I wish we had more time we really need like another hour for the show to, to really break this down and get into it but could I just ask you briefly a, a, a lot of us are having trouble understanding the verdict in this case how the how the jury could find Michael Dunn guilty of attempted murder of the three other teens but not the murder of Jordan Davis
10: Well Lisa uh, as a uh, former prosecutor and now I am a criminal defense attorney in the Tampa Bay area uh, and speaking with my colleagues, criminal trial work uh, I'm scratching my head as well uh, you know to be found guilty of attempting to do something but not guilty when you actually do it we scratch our heads however no one knows exactly what goes on in a jury deliberation room and what the jurors are trying to talk about they don't have to talk to anybody when they come out uh, the judges instruct them if they want to talk they can and in following up in this case I've saw some of the interviews with some of the jurors and uh, they were fighting back there. They had a pretty much a nine to three uh, verdict for a conviction on that charge. However, uh, with these type of uh, verdicts, uh, all the jurors have to come to the same answer. They have to have the same decision. They all have to either acquit or they have to believe the person is guilty for a conviction. So nine believed that he should have been convicted of the murder charge. However, there were three in the end that were holding out. And that w- is what results in the hung jury. If you cannot come to unanimous decision, uh, then that verdict is a hung verdict, and it becomes a mistrial. And some people were believing that this uh, Michael Dunn was reasonable in his thoughts; that he had you a know, reasonable fear of imminent death or serious bodily harm.
2: I mean, he's the one just common sense. He's the one with the gun. He's the one that pulls up next to them and boxes them in.
10: Well, it's what he I mean, this is like
2: common sense. This is what's so hard for us to understand, I think, here. Exactly.
10: Well, Mr. Davis brings up a good point. He used the word reasonable, and that's actually in the statute. Uh, That if a person reasonably believes, and you bring up uh, a phrase that I use in trials all the time, I tell jurors, this is not rocket science. Use your common sense. Use your common sense. The problem with the way the statute is written is that you have to get in the mind of the person that believes that he is in fear of death, and then you have to ask that question was that fear reasonable? But, but Ken, now,
2: Kenneth, let me just say, let me just ask you this real quick, and then we, unfortunately we're j- almost out of time for the show. But <laughs> the in, in New York State, to use deadly force in self-defense, you first have to show that there's no possible way to retreat. Michael Dunn was in a car; he could have just driven mm-hmm. away. It's not like he was stuck in an elevator or stuck in you know some underground tunnel somewhere. He's in a car; he can just simply drive away. I mean, this
10: is well, correct. That was the law before Sanyagraff came out, and oh. under the Castle Doctrine. Uh, in every state, and now about 15 or 16 states have followed Florida with the stand-your-ground law, you had a duty to retreat. If you could get away, you could not use deadly force. But right. so stand your ground, it actually says, because that's what you do in your home. You have no duty to retreat in the castle doctrine. If someone comes in your home, you can use deadly force, because it's presumed that person's in there to do you harm. Right. But so <laughs> when when you're out in the street, if you can get away, you're supposed to get away, if you can. Stand your ground actually authorizes people to, if you believe in your brain, that you are in fear of death, you don't have to retreat anywhere, and that's the problem with the law. All right, uh, and you know was-
2: what? I, I really, I, I wish we had more more time. We have to have you back on because we we got to we got to do a whole show on the stand your ground, uh, this this whole stand your ground Absolutely. law. I think so we can understand. But Kenneth Kenneth Foot, former prosecutor in Florida and the Tampa Bay area, thank you so much for for being on with us. We really appreciate it thank you lisa all right thank you i want to i want to end with kind of one one point that that ron davis the father of jordan davis brought up he was talking about our kids mm-hmm. our teens our children that they're being robbed of their childhood yes. that that children of color are being treated as adults just because of their color and
3: it, it this is i think one of the most egregious violations of the rights of young people is the is the fact that they've been robbed of their childhood i think i think in particular after trayvon you know we often talk about people who have been in the midst of battle and having a psychological post post traumatic stress disorder i think after trayvon we have another we had another p t s d we had Post-Trayvon stress disorder, where you had young people of color who can see themselves in him. They're around the same age. They listen to the same music. They had the same sort of dispositions. And after that space, they are in fear for their lives. So when you're in, your fear, in fear for your life, you're, you're, you're enduring this, this hypervigilance, which means that every step you take, when, when a young man described that when he was in Newark and he went out to take the garbage out and everybody was saying, well, what are you, a thug? What are you? A th-? He has to then, not, he can't live. He has to start thinking about how other people are viewing him in order for him to walk through life every day. He's robbed of his childhood. He's robbed of his curiosity. He's robbed of his, of his creativity. Every single piece of himself. I was just talking to a colleague on my, before I got up here. These, these two white colleagues who were also professors. And we were just talking about our childhoods. And one of them said, you know, when I was 17 years old, my brother and I went up on this hill and we set the hill on fire. I said you did what? He said we had light and matches, we set the entire hill on fire and we we had an accelerant and the whole hill burnt down in our town. And we ran away and then we came back. And when we came back, the fire chief was there, everyone was there, and the fire chief knew my dad. So the fire chief called my dad and my dad and I and my dad and the fire chief had a conversation and they said for the, and they next kind of month, for the next month you have to come to the firehouse and clean out the firehouse. And that's what you get for committing Arson And I remember when I was 17 years old And I left my train pass at home And I jumped the turnstile at D.Cob in Brooklyn And I was arrested And so when you have a 17 year old Who can burn down a building And they work it out and you have a 17-year-old who gets shot for listening to music or gets arrested for jumping a turnstile or presents a certain image that somebody views as thug, and all of a sudden they become a criminal, that's an egregious violation of our civil rights. And unless we talk about... When we talk about these violations of loss of childhood as a civil rights issue, then we can get somewhere. If we just wipe it under the bridge and say, oh, it's just hip-hop, it's just thug music, then we'll continue to let people do this to us.
2: And And this also goes on with President Obama with uh, Your Brother's Keeper, which he announced this week, talking about how when he was... When he was a a child and when he was a teen, you could make mistakes without them having serious consequences. Now, if you make mistakes, if you, if you're a young person of color, you can likely end up in the criminal justice system and on a path that's I mean, uh, that's not a good one. You
0: you really, you really just can't have both, though. You can't. You, it's hip hop that's robbing children. Of their childhood. It's bam, it's not, I'm sorry. hip hop is daily. You got I parents bumping. You got parents projects. Music and I went to in the, school in the on classroom. academic scholarship. I went yeah. to college
4: on a scholarship. I graduated summa cum laude. Well, then, the then you're the exception. But you go to the high hip-hop. schools
0: in Brooklyn and you see all these kids with their pants sagging. I am, I'm and and their the parents dismiss them. And they're rebellious. All right, so I can't hear what anybody saying
3: this man is not me? the exception. This man is. You talking about the Shakespeare. Shakespeare? I'm talking about when it comes to this, this is, is the exception. I, I grew up on hip hop. I, I grew up
0: on hip hop. I quit hip hop a year ago. I'm not just some outsider coming from nowhere. Cool. I was one of the thugs that was possessed by hip hop. I was one of the people out there who had to emulate the culture, who had to go around still, and sell drugs. You feel
2: like, to like be it made you do something bad?
0: Hip hop was the hip hop is is it's a possession. It's an evil
4: possession. I've been possession. exposed to hip hop since it's I was a little kid, and like I said, I went to school on academic scholarship. I graduated summa cum laude, and hip hop has kept me sane when I lost my mom at sixteen. So I lived my life by trial and error without a parent in a single parent home, and I could say that I attribute all of my successes to hip hop. So to sit here and say that hip hop is inherently negative or hip hop steers people in the wrong direction, I have to disagree with you. He, I'm all right, we're gonna have to have a, we're gonna have to continue this debate and this
0: discussion. Turn your attributes to Jesus.
3: Christ. Let's All listen. right guys, I wish I, it, you know, it, 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 this, this this debate between these young men is so brilliant and and, 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 and exemplifies one amazing thing, which is this hip hop is always the scapegoat goat. If Michael Dunn shoots Jordan Davis, it becomes a thug music trial rather than the white privilege trial if you're going well, to racial tri- life, racist race trial racist trial I'm well, not saying r- okay. as every- alone as a right, guys, many we- factors but
0: hip hop is one of them hip hop uh, maybe it stands alone as being singled out but it's one of the many factors that play the case I don't think when that Don Okay, Brown guys. Correct, we'll, guys we're but- at it
2: I wish we had more time we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to reconvene <laughs> well, we'll and do this again let's see we can get let's see if we can get a tweet <laughs> in here real quick Angelique sure so a lot of people are agreeing with what you all are saying about the hip-hop verdict um topic we have um
5: one last tweet we're going to end off with it was from at king at japong who says we have to change
2: the perception of hip-hop and educate the world about the positive aspects of hip-hop all right thank you very much for that and ashan a h s a n -N (laughs) underscore music (laughs) Music. (laughs) yes on instagram i'm just going to give you the last word what would you like people to to go away with thinking when they when they see teens
5: well when you see teams especially black teams um i just want to put out there you know there might be some obstacles in your way that god or other people might put there but no matter what you're supposed to overcome those fears those obstacles you're supposed to surpass everything that you believe and everything that they believe so that's what i did i met this man right there donald richardson my manager and you know what kept me out of trouble was family Basically, like, I had that, a very powerful family support. I got, like, it's crazy. Like, everyone's behind me 100%, 1,000%. And, you know, me, I, I see it firsthand. Like, you got to be very cautious of what you do. Even, like, the other day I was walking to school. The other day I was walking to school. So, man, he was like, oh, oh, you a son, Right. Like, yeah. He was like, Oh, you headed to school? He was like, Yeah, so you probably got a little groupies in uh in school, huh? Yeah, I see how you doing play So I asked him, I said, um I said, so when you see me, is that what you think of me? He said, uh, well yeah, aren't you a uh, big performing artist all uh, that I seen you uh, on B T all that? So I'm like, uh, yeah, well that's not me. I got offended. I'm I'm not even, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I got I got offended and I, I walked away. And, um you know. He said, "Well, that's why your music not that good anyway." <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's like when, that's like school? when a guy hollers at a girl and, and you you ignore <laughs> him and then yeah. he says, "Oh, you're not all that anyway." Yeah, yeah. Uh, You I can't mean, even. Well, listen, I'm gonna end. We got to end on a positive note. Have I been pronouncing your name wrong the whole show? Asan or Ashan? It's Asan. Asan. <laughs> you have. You're so you're too polite. Name? You should have corrected me during <laughs> oh, the middle. No, okay. No. Assan. Okay. Asan. I'm gonna shout out your Instagram one more time. Hit him up. A H. S A N underscore music, Asan. Yes. Like Hassan without the H. Asan. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for speaking on behalf of the teens. Thank you. And thank you for the message that you're giving everybody to stay true to their dreams and just keep on going, you know? Yeah. And, the, and you're an example of it takes love. Our kids need love. And I want to
5: you know throw out a big shout out to my friends family yeah family. i love y'all
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much this episode of street soldiers brought to you by mcdonald's i'm loving it and also i want to thank my whole crew here at hot 97 our uh, street soldiers executive producer i got the best team tone capone associate producers angelique tyree our production supervisor andrew Veras, production assistant amber ravenel and our one and only bordock op tech support the one and only tj check me out LisaEvers.com, twitter at lisa evers instagram lisa evers live google plus lisa evers fox 5 news 6 and 10 you know we're on yeah. it every day have a great week everybody i'm sorry we're out of time have a great week everybody remember <laughs> use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace they say life is a compromise
8: you want one thing you give up another at lunch you can have healthy or tasty